Good morning, traders. Are you guys ready to get another morning started with none other than, of course, pre-market prep right here? I'm ready to start today's action. We got overnight action, earnings on IBM, Johnson & Johnson, and Hasbro. We'll take a look at the earnings for the rest of the week. Buffett, yes, I said it, is on a buffet of Oxy. He doesn't want to stop and He's up there towards 19.4. We'll talk about that. Uh, Cinemark getting an upgrade. Our special guest today, we got Michelle Krebs. Um, we'll also touch about what happened in Apple. Uh, Michelle Krebs is a senior director of automotive relations with Cox Automotive. So stay tuned, guys. We've got another great show for you guys. Let's dive on in and welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. Let's bring on Dennis Dick here today. Let's take a Fuck. look at some of the overnight action that we got. Uh, stocks are up a little bit, and a lot of this coming off of the backs of a rally, snapback rally led by Europe. Dennis will let us know about that, but the SPY definitely back up there towards the 385 after yesterday's pummel from Around 389 down there towards a low there of 380.66. We're going to watch what happens today. Uh, of course, energy bouncing back a little bit yesterday. So keep that one on watch as oil broke above the 100 barrel. We'll see what happens today. Also, Bitcoin stocks taking a big jump. Um, normally, I'd take a look at just the Bitcoin chart, but I'm going to show you guys Mara's move yesterday, Hutt's move yesterday. Definitely coming off the backs of Bitcoin surging to its highest level since mid-June. And of course, you guys, uh, let's take a quick look here at gold. I know that we take a look at gold lately and uh, it's just been going down. Nothing at least showing me a turnaround in gold there. We'll continue to watch to see how these stocks perform. But right now, it's been a downturn there in gold. And overall, in a lot of these, I mean, even coal, like I was in a play yesterday looking for a little push and it did push a little bit, but can't hold any gains right now. We'll see what happens with these plays. What trading platform is that, Mitch? I kind of like it. I like the ah, colors. I like the layout. That's the TC2000. The biggest thing that I like about this, Dennis, is that I'm able to go through so much in one yeah. page. Um, there's not many There's not many platforms TC2000. that can support you. Yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a paid charting service. They have a, a brokerage, too. I don't use their brokerage. I just use yeah. their charting. Yeah. Um, but it's very easy to go to, let's say, from energy, and then you're looking at specific industries. Then you look at the stocks. It helps me work backwards versus nice. forward. I like that, and I too. I think that's you an know? important way to at least trade is always looking toward the rotation. So when you hit right? the sector, it shows you all the main stocks in the exactly. sector. Exactly. Like, so like if I went that's technology, yeah. I can go ahead and take a look. What's doing well today or yeah. yesterday? It was solar that was doing the best in technology, yeah. and it was ENPH that was leading us. And then, so this yeah, is a great was. way of finding the leaders and the laggards. So I love playing the leaders and laggards type of trade yeah. um, where you're seeing something lead in a sector industry. Then take a look. Is it the whole industry going on up 
Because if it's the whole industry, then I can look for stocks that are maybe on daily supports that didn't really look like a bullish setup maybe in the pre-market. But yeah. if the industry is just rallying it to the moon, well, then I maybe want to play some of those other players in the industry to catch a little bit of that alpha. Um, I know you know all about that alpha, Dennis. So um, who knows? That's why maybe we, we talk a little bit about every that. day. That's what yeah, we're in always. it for. Always. Yeah, so, that's what we're in it for. It's clean. That's a nice clean. You know, maybe we got to look at, you know, updating our charts to something else there, too. When Joel's obviously always showing Trade Station, but just the colors, it just looks pretty. So, I, I think so <laughs> and then too. when you click and you see all the stocks, I like that, too. I mean, I have the similar platform. I use Ready Plus. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. It's from Refinitiv. Um, yeah. And uh, same thing, you know, you can click on the index and all that will populate and show you everything that's in there. So, so it's yeah. nice. It's nice features there. The charts. Yeah, they clean. have their own index, too. And so this kind of uh, is, is another help, too. They make their own, not like kind of the weighted ETF versions. And I think sometimes the weighted ETF versions are just harder to, you know, decipher what's really moving there. I'd rather just have a basic index over all of it and, and not be so weighted on one. Right. Right. Okay, All right, let's, but let's get into the snapback in rally. Snapback rally. What did you see in Europe to let you know that um, at least that's where we got a lot of the push today? Well, you can see the European stocks. I mean, the first thing I do in the morning, you know, we talk about, you know, obviously, you know, routine. I've done, you know, I talked about routine before, but we haven't talked about it for a while. You know, the first thing I'm doing is checking S&P futures. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the S&P futures doing? It gives me a feel. And then, okay, well, we're out. Why? You know, and then you can go to Europe and you can just check your various ETFs. If you don't have futures quotes, that's fine. You can just go on EFA is a good indicator for what's happening over in Europe. There's IEFA. There's also a VGK is another one. So a bunch of them there. You can always go to your banks too. Deutsche Bank trade them 3.3%. So it gives you a feel for what's happened at least over mm -hmm. in Europe overnight. Um, you know, emerging markets is something I always check too. You got EEM. Then if you want to just go into China, you can go into the FXI. KWEB is a lot, obviously a lot of the China internet names like the Babas and, and KWeb is another one as well. So, I mean, there's lots of different, um, you know, things to check, ETFs to check. And that's the beautiful thing. Like if you go back 20 years ago and have all these ETFs, you know, you had to be looking at futures. Had to look. Now the ETFs just price everything. I mean, you don't even, once you log in your system, you don't even really need S&P futures. You just look at SPY. The only time I need S&P futures really, you know, is when, Obviously, SPY is closed between 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. So, you know, that's those eight hours where you really need the futures. But other than that, you don't even need them because you got the SPY that's giving you a nice tight market that's obviously trading and following the S&P futures. So, you know, so that's what I do. I look through that and then you try to get a feel. And then you go into different sectors like what you're doing, Mitch. And I have on my screen, you know, that mm -hmm. about 200 of the top um, S&P stocks there on my screen at all times. And I kind of look. I have it broken down by sectors too. And I can see, you know, there's patterns, eh? Like really what I am, you know, and, and as a day trader, it's just pattern recognition is all it is. You know, yep. you're looking for patterns and what you're seeing in the quotes and the prices and the data. And then you're trying to, you know, get a trading idea from that. So, you know, the no what I've noticed, you know, lately is that I'm all green on these 200 stocks. I'm all red, which is not normal. Not normal at all. Usually you see some green, some red. It hasn't been the case. Stocks are moving together. I mean, like we talked mm -hmm. about the oil and airlines, oil up, airlines up. It's been, you know, just that kind of market where everything's kind of been moving together. A stock is a stock is a stock. That's not always going to be the case. And we're starting to see some separation. Um, but for the most part, it's been like all green or all red. 
Today, we're seeing some earnings stocks train down, which we can get to in a second. But for the most part, it's kind of an everything rally here again, although oil just rolled over about 20 minutes ago. Something to keep on watch. And I, I agree with you. I think I've been seeing a lot of sometimes even really great setups. And for our technical traders out there, you probably have been fighting like me, where you even see a perfect, you know, bullish pattern. But then, of course, if the market just flips on you, well, I mean, the market's been dragging everything and the correlations closer to that one uh, definitely is affecting it here. Um, even when you have good charts, good patterns, that a lot of them are failing because of the overall market correlation right now. So let's, let's jump get... into individual stock stories here. And there is a mm -hmm. pile of them. Um, yeah. I think we should probably just start with Big Blue from last night. IBM reported and let's got an it. initial lift and then the subsequent dip. And we continue to dip here overnight. Mitch, break it down for us, uh, the earnings report there for IBM. Let's go for it. IBM here, Q2 EPS here, a beat and a beat to dollars and 31 cents on the on the eps and the estimate was at two dollars and 28 cents sales were at 15.5 billion beating the 15.25 billion estimate ibm though did cut its 2022 yeah. free cash flow guidance to 10 billion versus the prior range of 10 billion to 10.5 billion letting us know that it'd be on the lower end of that range um, so a little bit of cut of guidance but at least a beat and a beat here what do you think it's the perennial disappointer on earnings. It usually doesn't. Last quarter, actually, it rallied on its earnings report. But here, this quarter, it's given it all back. And it's kind of interesting. If you look last quarter, and we can always look to the, to the past to try to predict the future to a certain extent. I mean, I think it was April 19th. So obviously, on the next day, April 20th, when the earnings were priced in, you can see the stock gapped up from 126 all the way up to 139 we kind of hung out there for three months and now interesting enough they've come it's going to come full circle looks like and it's going to go from the 140 area where it gapped up to after that earnings report and tank it all the way down and does it get all the way down to 126 i don't see why not i don't think you need to be a hero and say ibm's the kind of stock that i want to buy on the dip it's just been such a laggard for so many years like the chat is saying ibm move on i mean i agree i mean this is just a stock that you know, you think about years ago, everybody was talking about IBM and it's just, you know, it's just, they've lost their way. So many tech stocks performed so well for, for, you know, in 2012, 2013, 14, 15, 16, and IBM just could not find its way at all. Still looking for its way. And, you know, yeah, they did the Red Hat acquisition. Yeah, maybe, you know, that's going to help with growth, but they really overpaid for it too. It's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I just don't think I want to be buying the dip on this one. Yeah, we were looking at this to see if we were finally going to get above this multi-year trend line. And so multi-year trend line could really give us a nice little push if we got towards that 150. But man, look at this rejection right there, guys. That's what you don't want to see right nope. by the nope. breakout nope. sign. And uh, really just giving us so signs that we need to see kind of more breakouts hold in this type of market than trying to get in them before they break out. It's not that type of market, at least from what I've seen, um, to be trying to front run moves because uh, this is what we've been seeing a lot on uh, even bullish setups. So IBM turning around there, back towards the 130s. Uh, daily outlook, of course, it's holding the 200-day moving average right now. There's not many stocks that are above the 200-day. So look to see if it can recover the 200-day today. That's at 131.41.
Right now, we're trading at 130.23. Lots All right, let's of other get... earnings reports, more exciting yep. ones this let's morning. Let's go. Let's go to Johnson & Johnson sure. next up. Uh, Johnson & Johnson here, J&J. You guys can pull up the charts. Johnson & Johnson adjusted EPS here at $2.59, beating the $2.57 estimate. Sales were at $24.2 billion, beating the $23.81 billion estimate. Johnson & Johnson cut Full year 22 sales guidance from 94.8 billion on the low side, uh, 95.8 billion on the upside, to 93.3 billion on the low side, and 94.3 billion on the upside. Uh, they also cut their adjusted EPS guidance from $10.15 on the low side to $10, and then on the high side from $10.35 to $10.10. Sold um, off ahead of the report yesterday. Mm -hmm. Probably sold off with everything because there was a sell-off, everything uh, selling off yesterday. Snaps backs a bit here today, but there's so much resistance. 178, 179, 180. I mean, hard to get excited and just think this is going to rip and roar. And like you said, the sales guidance was cut a little bit there too. So I think I'd be a seller of the pop here. It's 176. I think there's better places for your money. I'm not that inter interested in J&J &J at these prices. Yeah, I think you, you really need to see healthcare just completely take off. And if you take a look, drug manufacturers it's defensive have been too, struggling though, Mitch. too. Like, I mean, th that's the one thing to consider too, is you actually have some stocks that sometimes move counter to the market. This exactly. wasn't the case yesterday, but in normalized markets, I mean, look at what J&J has done for the last three months, held up well as the market's been selling off. It's defensive. So if you're going back into a little bit more risk-on environment, it's not the one stock you want. And if you really get into an ugly sell-off, it's not the stock you want either. I've been saying that for a while. I think a lot of the healthcare stocks, lots of money hiding in these stocks, and and they're good companies. Don't you know? I'm not saying that you know these are you know bad investments long term, but I just think they're crowded longs right now. So as a trader here, I think I'm 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 moving into different stuff. Yeah, I'm closer towards, uh, I definitely say it, it cracks 172. I'd be looking for a move maybe towards the 170s. We'll see what happens today. Uh, definitely healthcare took a step back yesterday. And also biotech also took a step back. We'll see how these perform. But the drug manufacturers haven't really been leading. It's been more of biotech names. So like Moderna uh, falls under that biotech. We'll see if this can get back off the ground after yesterday pulling on back. All right, let's continue going. Let's get into Hasbro now. Let's go towards the toy maker here. Um, Hasbro, let's see. Um, at least from the earnings, not too much movement, but EPS here, a beat there of $1.15, beating the $0.95 cent estimate. Sales were at $1.34 billion. Uh, it's a miss here of $1.37 billion, a $1.37 billion estimate here. Um, so a miss and a beat on the EPS. Um, I think it's the bottom line that this market has concerned with. Like two years ago, even a year ago, we were always top lines, all that matters. Now it's bottom line at all, is all that matters. So focus on the bottom lines. I think if you're trading the earnings reports, that's what people care about. Obviously, you're cutting guidance. Guidance trumps all. But I mean, the guidance. What does that of, mean, Dennis? For maybe someone that's a beginner and doesn't understand bottom what that line, means. top line. Mm -hmm. looking at earnings versus sales. So sales is your top line, earnings your bottom line. They'll give you both. So they miss on the sales, but they beat handily on the bottom line. This market cares about the bottom line. This is a show me the money market. It doesn't care about, you know, so much about you growing that top line if you're not, you know, making money. And that's, we know 
those are the stocks that got killed the most. They were growing still, but if you're burning cash, those are the stocks they've been selling. So this market has just turned, you know, from that full on, oh, let's grow sales at any cost to like show us that you can make money. And Hasbro's company has made money for a long time, beating on the bottom line. So I'm not surprised trading up, even despite the slight sales miss there. So bottom line right now is more important than the top line. Might change again. Like for years, we were just talking about top line. But in 2022, it's the bottom line. Focus there. Now, anything can happen on earnings. And Hasbro's a sneaky one. It's sometimes really choppy. Doesn't get a lot of pre-market volume, usually when it reports. So when you um, you know get to the regular session at 9.30, sometimes you have one or two big fund managers coming in and making an opinion and the stock can have a really big move in either direction. So I never put a lot of weight into pre-market trading into some of these, you know, smaller cap stocks like a Hasbro because the big money hasn't really made its bets yet. That'll come in at nine 30. All right. We're going to get out of earnings. We'll talk a little bit about earnings coming up later in the show that will be coming up for the rest of the week. Now, if I would appreciate you guys to do us a favor, We've been struggling on the likes, and I want you guys to support us. If you guys are enjoying the information you guys are getting this morning, and of course, we'll be coming on up with a special interview from Michelle Krebs as we get into Cox Automotive and the automotive industry. Hit the thumbs on up, and let's continue going. Let's I hit get the like into... button for you, Mitch. There you go. I appreciate the love, Dennis. Let's get into now. Let's go to the Apple story that really rocked us yesterday. It did. It did. Um, and I was actually live when this happened. Um, and <laughs> I was stunned. I was like, hold on, that has to be news related. That's a hard downside move there. Yeah. Let's take a look at Apple here. After reportedly planning to slow hiring in 2023, this report came from Bloomberg. Man, yeah. did we see a takedown. It was hanging on all day. Uh, and then when it broke through that 150 again, it was a flush there. And it, it took down the, the entire market. market. So yeah, this headline... Market. This headline took down the entire market. Market was leaking a little bit before it, but then when that headline came out, and this is the this is the concern that I have as well too, um, and I've been saying it on the show. I want to be bullish. I want to go all in on this market, but I'm scared of this earnings season because I do think we've had some demand destruction. I do think it's going to show up in some of these earnings reports, and it's a matter of what the response to that is going to be. But does Apple leak this? You know, we're slowing hiring a little bit to Bloomberg to try to, you know, bring expectations down slightly for the, their their report next week. Are they saying that they could potentially miss? I think that's what the market is scared of. And I think that's why you saw a significant sell-off with Apple yesterday. Bouncing back a little bit. Obviously, I'm still long Apple, long-term account. I do have a small trading position in it, too. Um, so it's it's tricky Um you know, to, to say that, you know, this is just going to bounce right back. I'd be a little bit nervous, actually, at this point in time, just because now you got the print coming next week. And I think there's going to be people if this rallies back. Now, you, now that 150, 151 becomes major resistance because that was a huge technical level. Yeah, it's something to watch. I've been talking about how if we could get above that 150. This would really start looking well. And then the rejection of that 150 gets me a little bit concerned that what's not to make us think that we don't come back to support. And so support would be a move back down there, at least for right now, towards that 144. Um, I'd be looking towards 143 around there to see if we come back down into that. If we do, then it, it definitely leaves room for us to come right back through the 140s. 
I think Apple's going to be very vital if we're going to be able to hold this market up. I'm also going to be watching tickers like Amazon after they turned around a little bit there yesterday. Still kind of held some of the gains there. You can see that turnaround in Amazon. That's one of the ones that I'm really watching because if this can get up there towards the 130 also, um, I remember when Amazon did their split announcement and we yeah. had that drive there. That's what really drove market on that on that bounce that we had earlier in the year so those are my two biggest ones that i'm watching of course tesla's earnings are going to matter tomorrow big night. on that because that's going to come tomorrow night and that's going to be a major changer in here if you tesla could just kick out of the water i mean that could definitely help the market and i'm scared of tesla too so I, mean, yeah. I, I and it's going to be the mega caps that are going to go i mean we get netflix tonight that's gonna you know be its own story to a certain extent it's really when you start tesla kind of kicks off the mega caps but then you get into next week, and it's going to dictate the next move. I mean, we're going to get the big guns coming out. What are they saying? What are they seeing? You know, are they seeing some demand destruction? Are they potentially lowering sales guidance? Because that's a concern as well. That's going to be what dictates the next move. And that's what keeps me from going really all in on this market is that I want to see what's happening. The technicals look fine right now. But, I mean, this could just be a bear trap. And if we get some disappointing earnings from some of the mega caps, we could all of a sudden be back down near the lows. So it's a trader's market until that. And I think Tesla was still going to give us more chop as opposed to dictating where the next big move is happening. But, I mean, earnings are definitely going to dictate the next big move. So let's get some more information before we go and making serious bets. But I think you're just playing the chop before that. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get out of the Apple talk and Tesla here. Let's go towards the next headline, which is all about Occidental Petroleum. Let's go towards it. Uh, Warren Buffett looks like he, he just can't stop and won't stop buying Oxy here. Uh, coming in for some more shares, now owning about 19.4% stake here, uh, worth $10.9 billion. Uh, Berkshire bought shares during July 14th and 16th. Disclosed purchase of 1.9 million shares. Um, the prices were ranging between 56.14 and 59.67. Um, what do you think about Oxy now? They're Just telling me I got stop. a little bit of chop. They got, they're telling me a little bit of choppy audio, so I just tried to replug in my headset. Maybe it's my headset. Oh. My internet is good right now. They're joking about Rogers, and I joke about Rogers too. Um, I mean, he's going up to <laughs> 20. Yeah, he's at 19. Point what, Mitch? He's at 
So he yeah. only needs 0.6 percent more. He's, he's going to get to 20 percent. And I think the big thing, and I'm, you know, I, I think the big thing is once he gets over 20, then he can start putting oxy earnings directly into Burke. So you can see where he's taking this. Um, is he want it more than 20? I think he's going to be doing a couple more purchases to get it over 20. And then it'll be like, okay, where is he going from that? Is he still buying more? Because I've said there's an outside chance he might just buy the whole damn company. Obviously, you know, I, it's a long time since he bought 20% of a company. So, and he continues to buy. And you can see where he's buying. 55, 56, 57. It's like the Buffett put on this stock right now. I mean, he's out there. And you know the stock was down to 57. Well, Buffett's supporting the price because he continues to buy it down there. So that's why you can see it in the chart itself. I mean, all those, if you just pointed out, Mitch, all those buys, 56, 57, it's Buffett. And he's buying so many shares when it gets down to those levels. And if you just look at the SEC filings, which you can show in the Benzinga Pro if you want to, Mitch, yeah. I mean, he buys this every time it goes down to 57, 58 bucks. So yeah. let's just go up and look. You know, last night filed, obviously, from probably the day before, 57.70, about 1.9 million shares. Last week, 4.3 million at 58.05, um, 57.94. I mean, he's right out there. Um, he got a better price back on Tuesday, June 28th at 55.39. For 55.39. But you can just see, like, every time this mm -hmm. gets 55, 56, 57, 58, he's backing up the truck and not really allowing the stock to go lower. Yeah, he's uh, definitely also, I mean, he has someone, I think, that's doing some technical analysis because uh, uh, they're buying it off the support, off the date. Like, you could say the hour or daily support there. Uh, there's a lot of support every time it comes into that 56, 57. And a lot of these wicks that you see here on these days, uh, that's a lot of that buying that, you know, as soon as it comes down there, you get some of that buying pressure to get filled and it just drives it back. That's why I've drawn this green line. This green line to me represents a middle part of this pattern. And so if it's above this green line, I'm looking at it bullish. If it's below this green line, I'm looking at it bearish. Um, and that's the, really it's dependent towards 5960s. Um, you can use kind of that body here. And so I, I've been looking to see if it can hold 60. If it holds 60, has some upside outlook. If it breaks through that 60, you can get down there towards the support and back towards those 57s and 56 where Buffett is buying. Some some of the chats saying why oxy. I mean, if we you know we're in yeah why Buffett's oxy brain it's it's hard to you know say exactly why he's picking on oxy there's lots of good oil companies that all kind of track together it does have a lower dividend um but it's you know maybe he's just looking you know obviously the earnings have grown substantially as oils went up the one thing that still scares me is if oil prices start to come back in and they have to a certain extent these crazy earnings that you're seeing from all these oil companies are not going to be as crazy so that's the one consideration. I mean, if we just go and look at oil futures or you can look at the USO, whatever you want to look at. I mean, we've come off. We've had a nice rally the last couple of days, but we come off the highs. And I feel like that the people who are calling for 150 or $200 oil, I don't think it's happening in this economy. It's still going to be demand destruction, even in the oil industry. So that's why I have trouble just, you know, jumping in and saying, oh, yeah, you've got, you know, a lot of these oil companies trading four times earnings. How can you go wrong? Well, they're cyclical and they're linked to obviously oil prices themselves and oil prices start to come in. Those earnings all of a sudden don't look as attractive. And I mean, if they come down to where they were, and then I'm not saying it's going back to 30 or $35 a barrel, but these companies were burning cash. A lot of these oil companies back down there. So it's obviously the big thing that matters is just oil prices. 
as oil prices crashing here? Probably not. Still a war going on in Ukraine, still a lot of issues here. But the recession that's coming, and I believe it is, is going to equal some demand destruction in the oil industry as well. So that's why just don't get so tied up on how can I go wrong at, at a P of four, or how can I go wrong? Well, sometimes you can if the underlying commodity price starts to fall. So that's the risk. All right, uh, we're getting comments in the chat that uh, some people like having the moving averages on there. Some people don't. Hey, guys, this is just how I kind of work my charts. Um, I'll try to get a clean chart for us to kind of use. But you know what? A lot of people like the moving averages. I don't use them. But Mitch, if you like you and, and I always say this, it's description for me. It's not indicators. exactly. And so, I always just say, you know, whatever you don't just don't get too many crazy indicators. I've seen some charts that got like 50 lines on there. And I don't even know where the price is. But I mean, <laughs> a couple moving averages on there. I have no problem with it. You know, if you're into moving averages, if it helps you follow the trend better. I can kind of just see the trend without the lines. I've just looked mm -hmm. at charts for so many years that I don't, I've never used them. Um, well, but it, if your works for you, Mitch, they don't look bad on there. You don't, I mean, it's not like it, crazy. It's a simple thing like this too, right? A lot of people are trading kind of bearish charts in a bullish way, right? Um, yeah. Where the 200 day is way on top of their price action and the price is actually below the 200 day. Here you see the 200 day is actually down here and the price action is all the way up here. That shows you a bullish chart. And so sometimes it's as simple as keeping it simple, right? And so maybe it's just a 200-day moving average, and that's all you have. But for me, if this gets back above the 50-day, then we'll get also a 9 EMA cross over that 50. And that just shows me more of a bullish trend. And so when I see this line going sideways, not peaking, well, there you got a sideways trend. Um, but like always, they're used as description. I don't really use them as entries. I'm just using them to describe what is the price action that's going on at the moment. All right, let's continue going. I see some people mentioned the 20, the 50, the 200. It's all what works best for you. And yeah. like always, um, it's going to be, like I say, nothing is 100%. Like you can't just be like, oh, it crossed. I have to get in here. No, I, I don't believe in that at all. It's um, all tools. Everything is just a tool. Tools. And these are tools mm -hmm. that Mitch uses. Sometimes you maybe have a favorite tool, you know, you're yeah. as a trader. You've been trading yeah. 22 years, like or 23 years professionally that I'm going on here now. I mean, mm -hmm. you have a lot of tools that are your favorites and you become a creature of habit after so long. Yep. But, you know, it's whatever helps you, you know, to recognize different patterns. I mean, what makes a successful trader is really just pattern recognition. And if the moving averages help you to recognize a pattern that may repeat itself in the future, keep using them by all means. You know, I, I look for more, you know, patterns and data, patterns and relationships, patterns and different things, not so much a pattern on the chart. So, but that's what's worked for me. So, I mean, it's just different for everyone. If you're just starting, try out different tools, find out what works for you. Yep. And uh, sometimes, I mean, you're going to see more uh, lines drawn because these are the actual charts that I trade off of, guys. Um, so sometimes I already have line drawns out. Let's go to Cinemark here. I want to touch a little bit of an upgrade here. Moving sure. on Morgan Stanley, um, Cinemark coming in here. Morgan Stanley upgrading it to overweight from equal weight. Morgan Stanley said the return of consumer to theaters represents a trend not reflected in the stock price. Of course, this is the reason I'm bringing this up also is that we've been seeing the relationship um, AMC, right? AMC has really started to push lately. Started to break out again. Kind of uh, yeah. since pretty much Monday on the 7th. 
Um, so it's been longer than a week that it's been pushing on up. So the, here you guys see it. CNK, look at that takeoff as it's taken off in the last two days. Done about like a 9%, 10% move in the last two days. So we'll see if this can continue to push. But also, just to kind of state, we just stated it. Look at the 200-day. Now it's below it, going us, showing us a bullish chart in a lot of bearish environment. It's been a nice run here for CNK, Sneaky, and AMC and GME. Um, you know, obviously, I pair trade those things together. Have actually been getting a lot of love here lately, too, especially mm -hmm. AMC, kind of breaking out after consolidation period, just under 15 breakout day yesterday. So technically, looks pretty good. Fundamentally, obviously, it's its own thing. So we know fundamentals have never mattered as much with these two stocks. CNK fundamentals absolutely do matter because it doesn't have the love of, of the, you know, the apes as much as AMC. Uh, so you got to analyze all that other stuff too. Um, from a technical basis, you're right, Mitch, but you do come up to major resistance here, 17 and a half to 18. But can that upgrade today get you through it? I don't know if I'm chasing. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one to watch. I, I think it, it's a little bit extended here. I'd be looking for pullbacks back towards the around the 1650 area. Um, we'll see what happens there. If AMC can continue making moves on up, maybe you can see this kind of continue pushing. AMC is going to be one that I'll be watching to see when we get to 20. If we can get up there, what will happen into that area? Because that's where I really think that it can really start pushing back to where you saw this spike happen. Um, but the big thing is, here will they get it going and can it hold now 16 after that push off the 15 we did have a housing number there s p muted response to it there usa building yeah. permits 1.685 million versus 1.65 million so just a slight beat actually just ahead um on the building permits but again very muted response to the s p so kind of seems like a non-event yeah, we'll we'll take a look here. I'll take a look to see how the spy is reacting right now. We did it's see not. that's yeah. I've already moved on. <laughs> it, it didn't even yeah, it didn't even take. There. We really had no. Just kind of showed the charts here. There, boom. So you guys can see it there. Not much movement there. All right, let's well, go, go ahead. Go back to the ratings. There was some interesting ratings here, Mitch, today. Yeah. And I, I saw a downgrade on Square from Macquarie. Um, downgrade i believe to neutral you can see square trading down here in the pre-market about one percent i bought square in the long-term account four days ago i think i paid around 63 maybe 64 somewhere in there i can't remember um but stuck just a half size position in the long-term portfolio because it's a stock that i had in my long-term portfolio at one time it's come down so far still valuations not cheap um can it eventually grow into that maybe gets downgrade today huge support down here at 60 though so I think I'd be a buyer of the pullback here. Um, but, you know, let's see what happens. Overall, market's obviously going to matter too. And a little bit concerning with that Apple move yesterday. You know, you get the snapback rally here today. I think you'll probably have some sellers. So I'd just be cautious, you know, chasing anything today here. Like obviously, you know, buying the dip yesterday would have worked well. I think I'd almost be selling the rip here today on stocks overall. So um, maybe I wait for Square to get close to that 60 level. So square, square, um, what's been going on there? So uh, there you guys see block has been pulling back there. Uh, it has a couple of different areas. Uh, I like how you got one person giving it a 64, another person giving it a 150. So uh, big range there. Oh, you're at looking least. at targets, price targets. Yeah, price targets. I was looking at some of the targets out there. Some of them are a little bit all over the place. I think the 64 isn't too off at least. <laughs> Someone giving a, a dollar under where it's at right now. So we'll see what happens there. It is up on that. Um, I don't put what, any weight in any 
yeah, I don't, I don't really pay attention to targets too much. All analyst ratings are are opinions. They're opinions of somebody who follows the company very closely. So that's why they Mm -hmm. do have weight. So I'm like just looking at ratings, not so much to see what I can, you know, put a, you know, this analyst going bullish. I'm going to put this in my long-term account. It's more just about um, the reaction. You know, I'm trading the reaction to those ratings changes. You know, when something's upgraded, it's going to be up usually on the day. If something's downgraded, it's going to be down on the day. So it's important to know. You know, as a day trader, it's absolutely essential to know. As a long-term investor, a lot of it can be ignored. You know, we we I mean, we're going to do you know this, we're we're going to do some more education on some of the stuff on how to trade ratings um, potentially in August. But I'm just looking here, and it, it, I give so much weight and different weight to different brokerages as well. So you know, you know, Goldman really can move stocks. If a stock's in a gutter, like been going down, 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 all of a sudden Goldman says, okay, this is the bottom, let's buy it. That can really propel a stock. Like in some stocks, if they're smaller, it can move up 10, 12% just on an analyst rating. And then other times, it's like reactions to an earnings report. You know those don't have much weight at all. Stocks downgraded or stocks gets beat up on earnings and five analysts downgrade the next day. I mean, those are you know going to have as much impact because they're just reaction to the report that we just have. It's not like an opinion coming out from you know strategic analysis. It's more just, okay, we don't like the report and we're downgrading it. So there's all those considerations there. And that's why, you know, we don't focus on ratings as much as sometimes maybe we should, but they move stocks. So anything that moves stocks needs to be discussed. So that's why, you know, we mentioned like a square. It hasn't had a rating change for a while. Catch is a downgrade, smaller boutique McQuarrie, but stock trading down on it. So it's impactful. Sorry about that. The old mute trick. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get out of the ratings. Let's go towards our special guest on the day. We're going to bring on none other than Michelle Krebs, Senior Director in Automotive Relations, Cox Automotive. Welcome to the show or welcome back, Michelle. Well, thanks for having me back. All right, let's go ahead. Let's start diving on in. I will be sharing some charts that you guys share on your website. So if you guys want to check these out, definitely go to Cox Automotive and check out the charts and all the research that you guys can find. Um, first thing I want to dive on in is how is the new vehicle demand and are consumers still willing to pay the outrageous over sticker price? Yes, indeed, uh, they are. Um, car sales, um, The demand. I think we have to separate sales from demand. Demand mm-hmm. is still strong. Sales are not because yeah. the inventory isn't there. Um, and because inventory is not there and demand is strong, we are seeing um, record high prices. Uh, the, the Kelly Blue Book average uh, transaction price this last month was over $48,000. It was a record. It was the first time it surpassed $48,000. Um, you know, what we find is that in the market, the people who are in the market, it's a smaller pool of people, but it's a more affluent pool of people. We think the average consumer who bought a new car uh, early this year had a household income of into the six figures. And, you know, the average household income in the U.S. is $65,000, Excellent. So let's go. Uh, I'll just get one more here, Dennis. I'll let you go. How are the high prices affecting the consumer when making a new vehicle decision? 
Well, it, as I mentioned, it's a more affluent buyer. Uh, and so they are buying, we're seeing heavy uh, buying in the luxury segment. It was over 18% of the total market. Again, that's a record. Um, you could argue that all, all new vehicles are pretty much luxury vehicles with the high prices. Um, it, it does affect uh, car payments. You know, the average car payment now is over $700 a month. Um, and if you're if you don't have a strong credit rating, uh, you're you're going to pay even a higher interest rate. But what we are finding is most people that are in the market have, you know, money and they have a strong credit score. Michelle, my concern here, Dennis Dicker, my concern just is, you know, you look at these and I go, you know, take a drive by and just, you know, pull into the parking lot of a Chrysler or Ford. And you look at the sticker and you look at the prices and I'm like, who's buying these cars? I mean, yeah, you're still going to have, you know, the people who are making six figures that can still be in the market. But can these automotive companies just rely on, you know, the, the people who are well off? They need other people to buy these cars here, too, do they not? And I well, think the average... I just think, and I just want to get your thought process on that. I, I think the, you know, average, you know, U, U.S. person with a $65,000 household isn't going to be in the market to buy a new car. And I think they were before, but with interest rates higher and the sticker price on these cars, I just get scared that, you know, sales are going to drop from where they were and drop substantially. No, we do not anticipate a drop. We, we would argue that even if a recession, economic recession hits the U.S., vehicle sales are not going to be affected much because basically they've been in recession mode for the past three years um, and due to uh, inventory constraints. Um, you know, I think you could argue that quite the opposite, that automakers can do really well with the smaller pool of buyers paying a higher price. Um, a lot of the expenses have gone down. Incentive spending, which is a huge expense for automakers, is at a record low transaction prices at record highs, um, not paying interest to for vehicles to sit on the lot. So if, you, if as we watch the earnings numbers come out in the next couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be watching, did they sell more vehicles? Did they sell fewer vehicles and at higher revenues and higher profits? That's what we've seen so far. Why are the stocks just in the gutter then? Like why, you know, GM and Ford, you know, Ford trading down here, multi-year lows, you know, $25 back, you know, beginning of the year, it's been cut in half. Is this just a mispricing by the market then? Like I you're keep saying, it's, analyst, you know. you're not a stock analyst, so you no. can't comment on that. Because that's what I, I still I think. I totally don't understand, you know, how, how uh, investors value those stocks. So you don't think any demand destruction from a coming recession is going to impact the automotive companies? Not a lot, uh, because we think there's some pent up demand coming. You know, we okay. just lowered our forecast for this year. We started the year at 16 million for 2022. It, you know, things didn't happen the way we thought uh, in terms of production in the first quarter. We lowered it to 15.3, didn't improve in the second quarter. Uh, so we're down to 14.4. And we're going to have to see some production and inventory increases to even get to that number. Yeah, are we still seeing some of those inventory supply issues? Absolutely. Uh, they hit every month. I, every week, actually, I look at the inventory numbers. They just don't budge and they almost match identically to sales. So we, we aren't refilling that pipeline and we don't we probably won't for a while. Even if if things improve, we're seeing continued supply chain disruptions. Just this week, te, uh, 
Toyota plant, the Toyota plant in San Antonio, for example, is closing at 2 p.m. because of issues with the uh, electric grid in, in, you know, during a heat wave. Um, and we're still seeing a lot of supply issues, especially with the Asian automakers um, in terms of, because a lot of their suppliers are in Southeast Asia, China, where they've had a lot of COVID outbreaks and just can't get that supply chain to um, flow well. All right. So let's talk about potential credit issues that could arise. Repossessions of vehicles are starting to surge, um, even on so-called prime borrowers. Um, The the all loans index did decline 0.1 to 105.2 in June. Do you expect to see a continued rise in repossessions or credit issues? Well, we would see some, but it's still a pre-pandemic lows. Uh, We think that that issue is overblown. The other thing is because People with lower credit scores and lower incomes are not in the new vehicle market. The subprime borrowing for new vehicles is way low. Um, so we, you know, people get all alarmed. And frankly, the market needs repos for the used car side. You know, there's, the used cars are a little bit more in a, in a normal inventory mode. But, you know, a lot of the sources for used vehicles have dried up, repos being one you know, uh, rental car fleets, uh, defleeting. Um, so there, there, there's a need for those in the market. Oh, what about Tesla? We're going to see Tesla earnings tomorrow. What are your thoughts here? Obviously, you know, still the leader in EV is a luxury car. How do you think Tesla's going to do? Well, they didn't have a great uh, second quarter for deliveries. It was first time they hadn't uh, uh, had an increase. Uh, you know, they've had lots of issues in China with the COVID lockdowns. Um, they're back up and running again. Um, I, I would an- We anticipate that over time, yes, Tesla is the leader, but there's a lot of competition coming on um, and that they will drop their market share. They now have, I don't know, over 70% of the market. I've seen estimates from Bank of America that they think in the next five years, they'll be down to 11% because there's well, so much competition coming. If so. that happened, wow. And they also don't have, um, they don't have much new product coming. We keep, you know, Musk keeps promising the Cybertruck, but it's not here. And now we've got, you know, Ford Lightning's already on sale. There's other electric trucks coming and they're not first. Yeah, I agree. Competition going to come from everywhere in this industry. And, you know, not just from the majors. There's so many little boutiques that are are coming with EVs, too. Where do you see the whole automotive industry? Do you see it all shifting like 10 years from now? Are we all driving EVs? Is that where we're going here eventually? Or will there still be a lot of people who are saying, no, I'm sticking with my my gas car? Well, a lot of it depends on, uh, you know, improvement in batteries and bringing price down. The number one obstacle to buying an EV is uh, price. The average EV price is about $66,000. That's not accessible to most Americans. Um, Yes, we do see a continuing increase. I think uh, EV market share hit a record of 5.6% of the market this last month, um, last quarter. Um, So it will increase. Um, and then of course, regulation will may force some of that. We'll see if they can stick to those regulations, if technology can or cannot keep up and price prices can be adjusted. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, and, and also let's face it, gas engine vehicles are going to be around for a long time because they last a long time. Now, um, the average vehicle on the road today is over 12 years old and it's going up. So, um, those will be around. So, I think eventually we'll go to electrified vehicles, but when is that inflection point that it's the majority? That's, I think it's a ways off. 
All right. Thank you, Michelle Krebs here, Senior Director of Automotive Relations at Cox Automotive. Definitely check it on out, guys. And thank you for joining us today, Michelle. Thank you. All right, let's continue going. We're going to do a little bit of ticker time. We got a little bit of time here. So if you guys got a ticker, definitely throw it on up there. Um, anything that's on your radar, Dennis, that lately moves that have caught your eyes? Um, we're just chopping around a lot here today. I mean, mm -hmm. and you got to look from the overall market perspective because obviously everything is moving together here. And so SPY is what matters to everything right now. Um, oh. You can do as best stock selection as you want, but when the market sells off 80 S&P points off an Apple, you know, Bloomberg article yesterday, that's, you know, the kind of market that we're in. And we're going to continue to get, you know, news flow coming in both directions. I do. I am concerned about demand destruction. So I am concerned that there's some negative news flow still to come. Um, so with that being said, I think you're playing chop. You're buying dips and selling rips. Yesterday we had a rip. It was a selling opportunity. Then we had a full day drop. Now we get a rip here overnight again. I think it's probably a selling opportunity here. Um, just as much as, you know, yesterday at the close was probably a buying opportunity. So I think you got to continue to just play that chop. I'd probably be a seller into today's rally, which I'm always doing. I'm, as a trader, I'm buying dips, selling rips, just, you know, playing the chop as opposed to buying the rip and selling the dip because that's backwards. And in 2022, that's the recipe for losing money. Yep, definitely. Um, now, of course, uh, after the bell will be all eyes on Netflix. Yes. Um, do you expect they they lose subscribers again? And do you expect? I think so. I think the expectations are absolutely in the gutter here. Would not surprise me if they come in below those expectations, though. I mean, we've had a gap down and then a consolidation and then a gap down on earnings and then a consolidation. Do we follow the pattern, and get another gap down on earnings? It's possible. Uh, obviously I do have a small position in this in, in my wife's uh, retirement account. Um, so, you know, just disclosing that I, I, you know, I like it. The fact that the P 16, 17, it's come to a reasonable valuation. But with that being said, if the subscribers start going down, that E could start going down and then that PE starts going back up on you. So I think it's a wait and see game. Let's see, you know, from this quarter, I'm not going to try to guess, you know, whether they can beat the expectations. I'll just say the expectations are very low though. Projected loss there of 2 million subscribers for the period. We'll see what yeah. happens there in Netflix. And uh, what else for earnings for the rest of the week? Let's take a look here. Uh, rest of the week on Wednesday, we'll get, of course, Tesla. We've talked a little bit about that. What do you expect from United Airlines and these airlines here? The airlines are a tough call because I think yeah, the earnings is. are going to be fine. I think some of these airlines are going to have actually pretty good numbers. It's the guidance that I'm interested in because I think a lot of people were still, you know, they still had pent-up demand from, you know, COVID. You know, people were going places doing things. I do think you're going to get some of that demand destruction going forward, though. So are they going to be cautious with their outlooks? That's, you know, my question. Obviously, you know, um, I believe we saw Delta not that long ago, if I'm just going from my memory. Yep, but Delta maybe was last week. Yeah, and Delta's earnings were good. But then it's like you look in, you know, the stock actually afterwards, like, um, you know, 144. Actually, they weren't even that good. They weren't good. They, they missed 144 versus 164. The Boeing helped news. Yesterday. The sales. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, part of me thinks that the airlines are going to do okay this quarter. I'm just worried about the guidance. I'm worried about if there's some demand destruction. And maybe they're not going to talk about it as much. So it's hard to say, but I don't think they're a slam dunk that they're going to, I don't think, I, I, I think the earnings are going to be okay. Yeah, we get one after the other. We get Wednesday United Airlines, and then right after that on Thursday, we'll get American Airlines. And that's yep. been one of the strongest charts, at least for me in the airlines. It's been really kind of holding the trend up. You can see it kind of 
lower highs, lower, uh, higher lows, higher lows, higher lows, continuing the trend. Let's see if that continues to push back there. American but then airlines. when you scroll out a little bit further, you can see we're ooh, still ooh, in an ooh. ugly, 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 ugly overall downtrend. So is this yes. just, you know, a snapback, a rally in a bear market? Probably. I have yeah. trouble just jumping in and saying buy the airlines. But the reports, I think, I think, like I said, I think the earnings are going to be okay. It's the guidance that I'm worried about, but guidance trumps all. So I don't know. It's hard to be, you know, coming here and say, let's buy American Airlines. It just rallied from 12 bucks a week and a half ago. Now it's up to 1475, becoming a huge level of resistance at 15. But then you got an earnings print, and that's always a wild card. So I think I'm just sitting this one out. What about the snap? It's just been sideways for a long time now here, uh, down yeah. to $14. Yeah. Um, and this one's made a huge turnaround. Remember, I remember when this one first came out, uh, it was near the 30s, and then it came down. It went all the way as low towards around uh, $5. Then went all the way as high as above 75, now back to 14. What's up with Snap? Well, all the stupidity of 2020 and 2021 has been given back in all these stocks. These stocks had no business going where they were and obviously took a long time. They climbed ridiculously and they sold off, you know, and obviously just fully so. These stocks were just way mispriced. Everybody FOMO just jumping in and not caring about valuation whatsoever. Valuation is all that matters in the end. It's like why I would never buy a snap because I couldn't justify paying and and a company that basically doesn't even make money. So I I don't know. Like it, it's always a wild card. I will say Snapchat actually has more impact on the market than people give it credit for. You'll see Snap move and people are looking to that as a guide for Google. You know what's online advertising because the report beat right before you know a lot of the big guns come in like meta and google and when you start to see snapchat and, and we saw it last quarter warren it was a gap down day for google a gap down day for amazon a gap down day for meta and you're like wow why it's just snapchat but i mean it's the first one of you know of, of a widely followed company that's going to give you a, an indicator for on you know for adver online advertising and that's where you know Amazon and, and Google are impacted by because they are reporting next week. So Snapchat kind of sets the stage for those um, other big guns, and that's why if they say something good, they can actually drive the mega caps, which is surprising to a lot of people. Yeah, I say keep watch on that Snap. We know it's going to move stocks like Pinterest and uh, maybe even Meta off of that. So we'll and and, and, and Google, it will yeah. move Google. I mean, people won't believe that, but it does. I mean, it does. Relationships, it relationships, Google. right? Um, last yep. one I want to ask you about, um, and I mean, let's just go, let's go to some, some stocks from the chat. I did see some stocks already mentioned there. Sure. Uh, let's take a look at copper. Um, someone mentioned what's up with copper, and do you think you could see maybe a bounce for that? I always look at FCX. At least it's the leading one for me. If well, they've been to... killed. Yeah. I mean, the these stocks of all, even you can look at Alcoa, you can look at, you know, wherever you want to go, but FCX yeah. is a good one to look at too. They've all been just uh, uh, annihilated, you know, like obviously Alcoa with aluminum, but I mean, all the commodities, you know, they've all been really hit hard. So the question is, is there a bounce here or is it a lot of people caught? I mean, a lot of people got caught in these stocks too. So you've got overhead supply issues. As you get to 28, 29, 30, people are like, oh, give me my money back because they were buying in at 30 in mid-June. So it, it's tough stocks in a clear downtrend now. Trend is broken. Alcoa is the same thing. I mean, you can just keep going through all the yeah. commodity stocks. It's been a tough go. Are they cheap enough where you could take it you know, and, and have, you know, a significant rally? You know, Cleveland Cliffs, you know, if you want to go into steel and look at this. 
I mean, $30 to 15 in two months, been absolutely hammered to giving back, you know, it was such an impressive move, you know, yeah. in 20, early 2022, when it went from 15 up to 34. Now it's come full circle and making new 52 week lows almost. Yeah. So it's, Maybe it's bottomed. Maybe this is the bottom, but the stocks are still in clear downtrends, and it's hard to just say that you know this isn't just a snapback rally, and eventually we're seeing new lows again. Yeah, a, a year, a, a trend that took a year to develop, right? About one point two years has been crushed in just three months. So demand just a, destruction. Just this to kind is, of point that out a little bit more, there. Everything is logic here the 2022 is traded so logically like i mean if you would have just thought hey go to your economics textbook put on your cfa hat what happens when you jack interest rates after being in in a prolonged you know environment where the fed has been accommodating to this market it seems like forever and all of a sudden that accommodation is gone and they're aggressively raising rates what would happen you would think stocks would implode and they did I mean, it was just, you know, they, they signaled it back. We knew October, November, and people were like, oh, well, it'll be okay. We've had interest rate rises before, and, you know, um, they've and, and the stocks have held up well 2018. Well, they raised three, one quarter, one quarter, one quarter, not raising three quarters at a time or a percent, and then fighting 9% inflation, completely different animal. We haven't seen inflation like this since the early 1980s, so completely different animal. But if you were just going and reading those tea leaves. That's why I went to a lot of cash. I wish I would have went 100% cash, but I was nervous because I'm like, we are going to be the Fed, which has been accommodating, is now we're fighting the Fed. So now all of a sudden, you look at this markets and you see the market, you know, trading down, Q's down 33% from the highs, SPY down better than 20% from the highs. And you look back and you think, wow, that was just kind of logic. You know, and that's what it was. So people are saying, oh, these stocks are so oversold. This was deserved. We got into an environment where they needed to get oversold. Now, I've started to turn bullish the last week and a half because I just thought the damage has been done. I mean, we've been hit pretty hard. But are we at an all? Are, are we at the lows? You know, I've, I've obviously called ARKK a low because I just think some of those stocks have just been absolutely hammered. But I mean... There still could be some more damage ahead. If we go into a full-on recession, if we get some earnings warnings next week, that could all change as well. It's why I still think you got to have some cash, even though I'm starting to slowly deploy as I think the market, I think the Fed will start to be an interest rate. I think we've had inflation peak. I hope inflation is peaking. I'm kind of seeing it around with the commodity destruction we've had. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm kind of, you know, it's mixed, but been bearish most of the year and just trying to move a little bit more neutral to slightly bullish can't blame you for that outlook it's uh the way that at least we've been seeing the price action we did see some knockdown yesterday but definitely going to be still looking for some plays today let's go to nvidia hard chart yesterday um and this one actually held up pretty decently with uh that drop if you can see it was actually breaking out there through the 167 then quick turnaround right back down. What do you think about this chart today, Dennis? Um, Again, so one. oversold. I mean, the stock has come down from the highs of $346 when people were paying 60, 70 times earnings to a reasonable valuation. I think last time I looked, it was trading about 27 times earnings. So it's coming to a reasonable valuation, but you're still talking a stock that's trading you know, significantly above a market multiple. 
if NVIDIA, if NVIDIA was ever come back to a market multiple at 16, 17 times, I'd back up the truck. But that would be another 30% fall from here. And you're talking about $110 stock. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you got to start striking earlier. It's why I've struck on AMD, bought more AMD last week at 76. So um, would I be striking on NVIDIA on pullbacks? I think I would here now. I think there's a potential that the 140 low could be in for the year. Again, anything can happen. You know, maybe they come in a warrant and that gets taken out. But right now it's starting to turn to a certain extent. Again, you know, a lot of technicians don't want to start until the trend is clearly up, which I completely agree. Uh, but I've always traded the turns. You know, I try to anticipate the turns. It's, you know, what I like to do. It's kind of how I've made some money, being ahead of a lot of other people who are trend followers. So, I mean, it's it's your own animal. If you're a trend follower, trend is still down. You absolutely aren't buying the stock. But if you're trading turns, it's like, well, there's the potential that that low could hold. And so far, so good. It was tested four days ago, talking about the 143 low back on July the 1st tested again on the 13th held and now we start to move higher from there so i think there's just seller exhaustion in a lot of these stocks and i think that you know that maybe the earnings aren't going to be as bad as some people feared all right let's go towards uh i did see let's take a look at lac uh lac was mentioned in the chat there a lithium player um has some bottoming on the chart but this chart has gone down massively in the last couple of weeks yeah Great support. I, I think Tough you could one. take a shot. Mitch, I think you could take a shot on a mm -hmm. stock like this. 1892 would be my stopout point. I had LAC in my long-term portfolio for a while. I sold it back end of the year just because, again, I was worried about demand destruction. Might have even been um, early. I didn't get the top. I didn't get like 40 or anything. I think I, I can't remember. I think I sold it around 30. Um, had it for a while. It was a good one. Um I think there's a potential that you're trying to turn here. You're trying to form a little bit of a bottom here. Lithium, obviously, this isn't a company I don't believe that makes money, though, which is an issue as well. Uh, but, I mean, lithium is going to be in demand here for a long time. You're going to make money in the long run at LAC and LTHM? Maybe, as long as the valuations are reasonable. When they're not making money, it's hard to you know, value them, period. Mm -hmm. So I've got LTHM, still a little bit of that. Jason Rasnick gave us that back. Um, you know, five, six dollars. It's great. I still have a little bit of it. Um, I, 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 I could be talked into a trade here on LIC again, stopping out, looking at my risk first of that 1889 low. Yeah, I would take a look maybe if you're looking at LAC and you want something a little bit more diversified, the, the lit ETF, right? Global and uh, lithium ETF. This one's an interesting one to kind of watch. Uh, some names that are in this one, uh, you get access to some Tesla. Some QS, a battery player. You got Microvast in I there. I think ALB is one of the biggest ones in lead. ALB, it? correct, 100%. And so yeah. you get some diversification there with Frey, also LTHM. Um, so that's not a bad one to kind of take a look at. Uh, that's lit, and we'll see if it gets lit today, right? Um, that's the out of LAC. Um, what else is being mentioned in the chat? I saw some comments there. We're about to get on out of here. They're saying I'll Shopify give you guys... just came out with a headline there. Shop, I have shop. not seen it. Um, partnership. I didn't see there. this one yet, but I see Shopify trading up. So Ooh, look at that little um, spike there on the five minute. Yeah. So I'm just trying to see. I haven't actually. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up right here. now. Here. Details. All I need is Benzinga Pro. We're trying to grab the headline here right now. I got you actually, right now, guys. Um, Shopify partners with YouTube to scale um, the creator economy. 
whatever that all means. But okay, there is a breaking uh, headline from Shopify. came out just a couple minutes ago here. Metaverse. And Shopify Met. trading up 5.56% on it. Um, let's do Shopify real quick and then we'll go. Shop- yeah. well, I mean, holy macros. The 30 is like the wall of support here. So you got huge yeah. support in the stock. Congratulations to who bought it two days ago. Huge resistance up at 40. So I think it's like the channel we've been talking about. Channelandstocks.com from back in the day. 30 to 40. That's your range. 34 or 30, you're kind of in the middle of it. Yep. We're kind of in the middle of it. We'll need to get it back above 35 for me to kind of get more into that bullish sense where you're coming back towards the resistance of that 40. We'll see what happens in shop. Um, I've been watching what happens in shop. Also what happens in Amazon because I feel like Amazon continues on the downside. I know they don't. Dennis has told me they don't trade too closely related, but I kind of keep watch on both of those to see if Amazon comes back. I take a look at shop and Melly is another one, right? Mercado Libre. Um, if you guys don't know this one, um, I feel like this. I pair trade that with S E with S E. Yeah. S E and M E L I. All right. I, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't paid attention to that relationship before. Yeah. S-E it's a wild. They're both M-L-I. wild though. So they're wild stocks, but they do trade together pretty nicely. S E and M E L I. I have a lot of different relationships and obviously this is my bread and butter, which, you know, we talk about every once in a while there. It's Hell not yeah. so much individual stocks, it's relationships. And you know, when those, re- you know, when those stocks start deviating from each other, classic pairs trading to a certain extent, but more sympathy trading. You see SE start going M E L I will often catch a bit and vice versa. So those two stocks, I do watch those two stocks together. All right, we're going to wrap it on up here. Like always, thank you for joining me, Dennis Dick. We'll see you tomorrow and appreciate, like always, what you do for us. So go ahead and do what you do best. Go trading, my friend. Okay, see you guys. All right, there goes Dennis. And we're going to go and just do a little recap. I've been wanting to recap the show a little bit more. We don't have the topics on the side. So I want to go ahead and mention what we talked about today. We talked about, of course, the earnings, IBM, J&J. Hasbro, we talked about how Europe kind of led some of this rally back. Earnings for the rest of the week, we talked about Apple, Buffett, uh, Cinemark upgrades. So catch it if you didn't. Hit the rewind. And, of course, catch our special guest today, Michelle Krebs, uh, Senior Director of Automotive Relations at Cox Automotive. I hope that you guys had a great show. Hit the thumbs on up if you got some kind of value out of this show. That's what really the thumbs up is all about. And it helps us get to other viewers. So support us. Let the community grow and hit that thumbs on up. I'm going to bring you to live trading up next where you'll get uh, actually Ryan's out today. So it's just going to be Zunaid and I on live trading. Let's go ahead. Let's dive on in. Let's look to make some trades and see what's going on out there. I'll see you guys up next on live trading. Hit the thumbs on up before you get on out of here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.